0: a pet peeve that I have because it's basically broadcasting to the reader that you don't understand what you're doing. And the main idea of today's episode is why your font choice says a lot about you. And although I'm going to give a specific example about font choice, I'm going to tell you how you can show the reader that you should be trusted as an authority in the field that you want to, uh, you know, teach in or instruct in. And I'm also, I'm also going to talk about this kind of book lead, which Jim Edwards uses and uh, the example that I'm going to examine called Copywriting Secrets. So let's go ahead and get started with that. As I mentioned before on the show, I am trying to learn how to do marketing, how to be a marketer. Uh, I've gone through one course that's all about copywriting, and I did that as a supplemental to my uh, copy editing certificate program because there was a marketing class I could have taken in that one. But I realized that I already knew pretty much what the professor was going to teach when I looked at the outline, and I wanted to learn something new that I didn't already know. So I went online and I found uh, the Comprehensive Copywriting Academy, and I went through that program, and it was really helpful The only thing that is driving me crazy about that is I had a really amazing color-coded notebook with all my notes in it. And uh, at some point, I don't understand how this happened, but my notebook got to the work site where my husband and I were doing a renovation, and I cannot find it now. And I still have all the information, you know, in the online course, but I like to organize it myself in a different way. And I'm a really um concerned note taker can we say that uh i don't know of a more polite way <laughs> to say that i am pretty anal when it comes to taking about taking notes in a way that i can access them very easily later on and that's why i use a color coding system so um yeah i'll let you know if i'm able to find my wonderful molsky notebook that has all my notes for that really extensive course Uh, that I think was it was pretty good. It was the same price as the course that was recommended at the college. uh, But I think it was way more extensive. So, you know, but then of course, I found out about Jim Edwards. And if you don't know who Jim Edwards is, he is the funnel scripts guy. Uh, If you don't know what funnel scripts are, then you probably don't know what click funnels are. And click funnels are uh, I'm sure you've heard of them by now, like the funnel marketing. But the guy who started, who basically invented the online version of the funnel, his name is Russell Brunson. And he has this company called ClickFunnels. And they help you set up these funnels and like understand how to talk to customers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, Jim Edwards is the guy who writes all of their copy. And he has gotten famous teaching people to write really successful copy. So I went ahead and ordered his book, which is called Copywriting Secrets. And I opened it up. And do you know what happened? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm just going to tell you. I was sad. (laughs) But why? Because the entire book is in a sans serif font, the whole thing. And to like for people who are untrained, that might not even seem like a big deal. But if you look at any traditionally published book and listen, okay, you know, I'm the first person who will say, I think that traditional publishing is broken. However, this thing, they always get right. Traditionally published books use serif fonts for the main body of the text. And why? Because they are easier for the reader to understand. And when you have so much text all together, You need it to be as easy to understand as possible. It's just for the ease of reading, which if you are creating something through a platform such as a book that is meant to be read, you want it to be easy to read. So I open up Jim Edwards' book, Copywriting Secrets. And by the way, Jim Edwards, if you ever hear this podcast, I am not trying to sell you uh, a unicorn story, but... If you would like to work with a professional, certified copy editor who will not let you do these kinds of things in the future, you can look me up. Okay, literary symmetry. Anyways, so he doesn't. Not only does the whole book have main body text in a a sans serif font, which drives me insane, but it's not formatted properly. And I keep seeing books that are doing this. And I address this uh, in right this way. It's one of the six things that writers do to drive readers crazy is they form it incorrectly. And so I was looking through his book, you know, I open it up. I'm like, yes, I'm going to learn some things. And listen, the book itself is good. It's not like it's not eloquent. Okay. He's a copywriter. That means he's writing to market and copywriting is a very different skill than writing literature uh, and even writing nonfiction. Like, this book is kind of like a really long copy letter, which makes sense given who it is, but no one really wants to read a book that's 100% copy, and that's why if you've read any of Russell Brunson's books, uh, which Jim Edwards' book looks, like, it's made to look exactly like Russell Brunson's books on purpose, which Jim Edwards has admitted over and over again, uh, Russell Brunson understands that storytelling is very important. And so his stories come through in his books constantly. Like, there are so many stories, and he always uses a story to illustrate every point, and that's very important. And Jim Edwards doesn't quite understand how to do that. So sometimes I get a little tired and I have to put his book down. You know, besides the fact that my eyes are burning because he's used a sans serif for the main body of the text. Okay, I'm not going to I won't mention that again, except to say that this is why the font matters, because it tells me, the reader, that Jim Edwards doesn't understand how to make a book that's easy to read. And why would he understand that? That's not within his skill set. But listen, this is really important. If you want readers to trust you and you are going to do indie publishing like I do, then you have to get in the mode where you understand that you need to know how these things work so that you can get it right so that you don't look like an amateur in front of your readers. And that is how Jim Edwards' book comes across as amateurish, which bums me out because he's really smart. He has really great copy. The book is full of good information, but I know that readers are going to get tired and they won't read it all the way through. I mean, I'm basically having to make myself read all the way through, and I know that there's good information, and that's the only reason I'm doing it. And when I see a book that is formatted improperly, and it's not using a font that's reader-friendly, I don't want to read the book. I don't feel like I should trust the person who I've paid money to Who couldn't be bothered to hire a book services professional to help them get the book right it's a one-time investment that's the thing is if you hire a book services professional you pay them one time and you see a continuous return on that payment because you are selling something that becomes passive income at that point which means you don't have to keep writing the book over and over and over again and having it edited or having it formatted. You just do that one time and then readers are able to constantly enjoy it and new readers can enjoy it all the time. So listen, it's not about a font I like versus a font I don't like. It's not about formatting I like versus formatting I don't like. The reason that traditional publishing houses use these systems is because they are easy for the reader to understand. There have been, you know, I'm sure millions of dollars spent studying all of these things so that they could get it just right for the reader experience. And so we can take that, Information. We don't have to pay anything for this information. I'm telling it to you for free right now. Uh, and we can also employ people who know what they're doing so that we look good, so that we look like experts in our field, but also experts at trusting other people to tell us how to do things right in areas where we don't know better. For example, formatting a book, choosing the style sets of a book. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's one of those things that it's just a professional choice that you're making. And I am sad that Jim Edwards didn't make this choice, but I don't think he knows any better. And I think that in a majority of these books that I read, I read three books today alone. I mean, you know, I started three books where the formatting was incorrect. And I'm like, and you know what the sad thing is? One of those books was awesome. One of those books was really well written. But if I hadn't had to keep giving that book a chance, you know, by going page after page after page, I probably wouldn't have even taken it seriously because it's formatted incorrectly from the beginning. And that to me is like saying, I'm an amateur, I don't know what I'm doing. When clearly this person did know what they were doing because they wrote the heck out of this book. The premise was extremely interesting. Uh, It's a nonfiction book. So they kind of took like the idea of uh, an outside influence and how you can take that person's life uh, and then kind of model your own life after it to be able to overcome extreme hardships. It was super compelling stuff. But I wouldn't have kept reading it in normal circumstances if I wasn't reviewing it because the formatting screams at me, the person who has written this book isn't taking this seriously. And I don't want to trade my time to someone who hasn't taken my time seriously. Life is too short for that. And remember, time is the only resource that we can never get back. So these are the things uh, for you to think about. This is why you should hire a book formatter. I'm not saying that you should hire me. I don't even offer book formatting services anymore because it's it's not my passion. It's not what I want to be doing. Uh, I'd rather be copy editing. I'd rather be developmental editing. But find someone who knows what they're doing. And this is what I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Some things that will save you a lot of time. Some things that caused me a lot of problems and long work days and extra work hours that I didn't need to put in if I would have just been paying attention at the beginning. So, okay, listen. If you are going to write something in the main body of your book, what kind of font do you need? We've talked about this a lot, <laughs> probably an annoying amount at this point. You need a font that is a serif, and a serif font has those little things uh, at the beginning of the letter, at the end of the letter, uh, at the I, a capital I, it has those things on top, right? The Like the little branches sticking off. A sans serif means there's no swirly-whirly anythings and everything is like a perfectly straight line or perfectly curved line. And that can be confusing because for example, I'm sure if you look at any uh, sans serif font, you'll notice that the capital I usually looks exactly like the the lowercase l. And so that's why we need serifs in large chunks of text, which is what you see inside of a book, uh, because they just make it a little bit faster for your brain to say, oh, that's a capital I, not a lowercase l. It's something that simple. Okay, and then this is something you need to take into consideration. When you are indie publishing a book, uh, you have to have permission to use a font in something that will be commercially produced. And if you plan to sell your book at all, that is considered commercial reproduction. So you need to have a font license. And there are lots of really fun fonts. Uh, I personally like fontsquirrel.com. I found a lot of amazing fonts on there. I really like as a a serif, Allegra is a beautiful font. Um, But the thing is you have to pick a font that has italics as an option. Because if you don't, all of the times that you use italics for emphasis in your story, that will disappear when you go to format it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And for someone who's going to format the book for you, when they're typesetting, which is something we don't do with uh, you know blocks and ink and all that anymore, now we do it inside of a file in a software program. Um, a program, software program is like a redundancy, inside of software such as Adobe InDesign or personally I use Affinity Publisher because I use the Affinity Suite and the thing that I love about Affinity Publisher is that the way that the file functions is exactly the same as in Affinity Photo and Affinity Designer. So I don't have to learn any other steps. I can do the workflow exactly as I would do as if I were creating a graphic design and it's really simple. Also, the software is really cheap. I got tired of paying for Photoshop licenses, and my brother, who is a graphic designer, was like, he's also becoming a computer programmer by the way. He was like, you have to get this software. It's called Affinity Photo, and so I got it. And then my brother also, uh, he's written a book, and so he was like, I used Affinity Publisher, which had just come out, and he used that to format his book. He's all, you're gonna love it. So. Uh, when COVID first started, Affinity, which their the company name is Serif, ironically, <laughs> I swear, like, that's not why I'm talking about this. But So they decided to discount all their software at the beginning of COVID for all of those people, those creative people who are working at home instead of being able to go into their office. And so I bought a Designer, which I had been wanting, and Publisher, which was fairly new at that point. And that's now what I use for everything. So basically, when I'm setting up things in my uh, file that's going to be turned into a print ready PDF in Affinity Publisher, I have the option to manually create italics by going it into character and offsetting it uh, by a certain percentage. But if I had to do that every single time there was an italic word in the f- in the book, because the font I've chosen doesn't have an italics option, that would literally be a nightmare. Because I will tell you this, there is no way to search for what words are and aren't in italics in Scrivener, which is the program that I write in. Uh, Nor can you do that. Well, I guess you could make a macro in Word to be able to do that in theory. I haven't tried that. Uh, Macros are things that you can basically write your own mini software inside of Word so that when you're editing, you can like delete all the double spaces and turn them into one space or that that kind of thing where it just runs the macro. Uh, That's really advanced Microsoft Word use that if you're just a writer, you probably don't need to worry about that. That's something that's more for editorial use, which I had to learn to do in my certificate program. So that is why you need a font that has an italic version just so that when your, the formatter is putting everything together, they don't accidentally undo all of the italics that you've done in your manuscript that you've sent to them uh, via Word or whatever other program you're using. I do think that if you're a writer, you should have Microsoft Word. It's very useful. There are so many things you can do in there that you can't do in Scrivener yet. And uh, as for me, uh, I use track changes. For my clients, I also have my editor, Maria, use track changes for my documents. It's just the best option there is right now. Uh, Open Office, I know is free, but it can be a huge, literally a huge nightmare. I've tried to use it for formatting books before when I didn't have money. And I'm really glad that I have Word now. I don't use Word for formatting, although I know a lot of people do. I use Scrivener for the uh, EPUB version and then I've gone back to old school formatting books myself in Affinity Publisher. I used to use the option for paperback in Scrivener, but I just find that it's not intuitive enough to know like, oh, well, this heading uh, is at the bottom of the page, and then the next section where the heading actually applies is on the next page, and it looks weird, and the reader can't really understand it very easily to be able to keep that flow going, so... All that to say, formatting is complicated. If you didn't understand a bunch of the vocabulary I was just using, that's fine. But that, understand that you don't know that. And so I would say for people who are professional and who want to put out books in order to promote their business, which is nonfiction, by the way, and Marie and I are writing a book about how to write nonfiction, hire a formatter, hire a copy editor, get people's advice because they will make you shine. They will make you look good and look like you know what you're doing, even if you don't, even if you don't understand that you should never use a sans-serif font for body text in a book, even if you don't understand that you shouldn't use line breaks instead of paragraph indents to show the reader when the new paragraph is happening. So these are just things that book services professionals understand, but when you ignore them, as a writer, you're communicating to the reader that you don't really care that much about their time. And that's the last thing you wanna communicate to them because you're selling them a product and you're taking away their time because they're investing part of their lives that they could be using to do something else in reading your book. So you always need to think about them and you need to think about your overall appearance as a business and if you're a writer and you sell books, You're an author and you have an author business and you need to approach it that way. And when you do all these things and you pay attention to these details, that is when you can use your expensive words to have a shared experience through storytelling with the reader. But if you skip over all these steps, it's going to be really hard for you to connect with the reader or for you to show the reader that you care and establish that connection that makes those expensive words so compelling, and gives your storytelling that next level of sophistication and connection. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing.